Hello. Welcome to the legends of King Arthur and his knights. Chapter 48. A Bishop's Move and a Queen's Sacrifice. The news that King Arthur was at war with his favourite knight shocked the whole of Europe. The Pope, many miles away in Rome, heard about the conflict and immediately resolved to put an end to it. He commanded a senior churchman from England, the Bishop of Rochester, to go to both parties and tell them of his solution. The Bishop went to see King Arthur first. "'Sire,' said the Bishop confidently, "'my master, the Bishop of Rome, commands you to take back your wife or you will be excommunicated.' Now the king dearly loved his wife and was sick of warring with Lancelot. To him this seemed a good way out, but Sir Gawain was not having it. After a heated debate between the two most important men in Britain, an agreement was reached. Arthur told the priest he would take back Guinevere, but he was not about to forgive Lancelot and the war would continue. This seemed to be good enough, so the bishop rode over to Joyous Guard, where he made the same speech to Lancelot. Sir Lancelot was tired of warring and yearned for his old friendships, particularly that with Sir Gawain. He made up some rubbish about never having intended to keep the Queen from the King and it all being about honour and agreed to send her back to Arthur. This was a bit much, given that Lancelot and Guinevere had caused the whole mess by being dishonourable, but saving face was important to the ancient knights and Lancelot was a particularly proud one. Happy in his denial, Lancelot went to see the Queen. My lady, you must return to King Arthur. The king has promised the Pope and God that you will be kept safe. My lord, replied the queen sadly, I will do as I am advised. Lionel, Bors and Hector de Maris were summoned. The four men and one woman debated for a while, but it was clear that Lancelot's mind was made up. My lady, if you don't go back now, after the offer the king has made, then you will be openly recognised as having no honour. You must send a message to the king, telling him you will return tomorrow. So, decision made. Guinevere was going back to King Arthur. It's difficult to see what Lancelot thought he would achieve by agreeing. He had, after all, killed three of Gawain's brothers, including Sir Gareth, who had loved him more than any other knight. There was no way on earth that Gawain was going to let the matter drop just because Guinevere had been returned. And Gawain was a powerful man. In fact, he was probably the most powerful man in the kingdom. King Arthur had lost all of his other most trusted and loyal knights. He only had Gawain to rely on now, and Gawain had his own agenda. Sir Bors tried to point this out to Lancelot, but his mind was made up. Guinevere was returning to her husband. Guinevere had one last trick up her sleeve. She thought she could buy her lover some time, so she told the bishop she would return to the king only if he let Lancelot and his men go overseas without being attacked. The bishop rode to the king's tent and gave the message. Oh, what good news, declared the king. Lancelot would never have been prepared to return the queen if he was having an affair with her. This must mean they are innocent of Agravain's accusation. I will grant his request. He can leave the kingdom without fear. Sir Gawain couldn't believe his ears. The king was obviously in as much denial as Lancelot. Gawain sat back and said nothing though. He knew he had to go along with it. He would bide his time and wait for another opportunity to restart the war with his hated best friend. The next morning, at Joyous Guard, a tearful Lancelot went to see the Queen. My love, he said sadly, today is the day you will leave me and I will leave this country that I have loved so much. I don't know if I will ever see you again, so take my ring that you gave me such a long time ago and I will take yours. 
we will wear them to remember. We both know that we will love each other as long as we live. Guinevere, choked with tears, simply nodded. She reached out to him and he took her in his arms. Both wept silently. As they came out of their embrace, Lancelot touched Guinevere lightly on the cheek and gazed into her eyes. And then he was gone from the room. That day, a splendid procession left Joyous Guard. The four cousins were richly dressed and proudly mounted. Five hundred men accompanied them as they rode to the king. Arthur came out to meet them with a very large company of knights. When they met, they looked each other in the eye, both remembering better times. Lancelot recovered quickly and opened his mouth to make one of the most self-serving and frankly completely untrue speeches of all time. My lord, here is the queen. I am returning her to you. She would have died some time ago because of the disloyalty of some members of your household if I hadn't risked my life to save her. She is the worthiest lady in the world. It is better that the men who would have had her executed have died than for the Queen to suffer their disloyalty. She's innocent of all accusations. If she and I had been lovers, then I would not be returning her to you. If the entourages had listened carefully, they must have been able to hear the sound of Agravain turning in his grave at the barefaced lies that came out of Lancelot's mouth. Still, it seemed to work. Arthur took his wife back and even thanked Lancelot. If he had had his way, then he would have forgiven everyone there and then and taken King Ban's kinsman back to sit at the round table once more. This didn't happen, though, for one obvious reason. Gawain stepped forward. Lancelot, the king asks one more thing of you. He requests you to leave this country and never set foot here again. Is that what you want? asked Lancelot of the king. It's what Gawain desires, and so it's what I want too. Will I be safe from you in my own land? asked Lancelot. Will we at least have peace, even if we can no longer fight as comrades? You can be sure, replied Gawain before the king had a chance to speak, that you will not be safe from us. You will have war, war and more war until you are dead. The war will be bloodier and more violent than ever, and it will only end when I have avenged the death of my brother Gareth, who loved you more than any other man. I will not stop until then. I would swap everything I have in the world for the chance to cut off your accursed head. Bors stepped forward. My lord does not fear you. If you come over to the kingdom of Gorns or the kingdom of Benwick, then you will not escape. You can be sure you are nearer to losing your head than Lancelot is of losing his. I will fight you here and now for the honour of my lord. Gawain was completely up for it. But Arthur put his hand up. He refused the knight's permission to do battle. He told Lancelot and his men to go now, but prepare themselves for war. Lancelot made one last, futile bid for peace. Sir, remember how I saved your kingdom from Galahot and persuaded him to become your liege? I rescued your kingdom from doom that day. Remember all the other deeds I've done for you as your servant. If you come to my lands to wage war, I'll be ready for you but it will not bring either of us any honour. And Gawain, my friend, my best and most loved friend, please stop cruelly causing bitterness between the king and I. Remember how I rescued you from the Dolorous Tower and released you from the prison in which you have surely would have died. We have fought side by side, eaten at the same table and served the same master for so many years. No comrades could be closer than you and I. I loved Sir Gareth as much as you, and I loved Geheris too. I will do any penance you ask me to perform in order to make amends for their deaths.
Lancelot replied Gawain, There is nothing you have done for me that you have not made me pay for in the most hideous way. You have taken from me my brothers. For the shame, the grief and the abject sorrow you have thrust upon me, there cannot be peace between us and there never will be as long as I live. Lancelot turned to King Arthur, the grief of lost friendship clear on his face. My lord, I will leave your lands tomorrow. The next day, Lancelot and a host of other knights left for Gaul. Hector, Bors and Lionel were with him, of course, as were his kinsmen Sir Blamor and Sir Blaberis. Other members of the Fellowship were there too. Sir Palamedes and his brother Sir Safer came, as did Sir Lavaine and Sir Tire and Sir Belanger Le Beurs. When they reached Gaul and the ancient lands of King Ban and King Bors, Lancelot gave each of them a kingdom. Sir Lionel became King of Gorns, as he was the eldest son of King Bors. Sir Bors was made King of Benwick, King Ban's kingdom. Hector, Bloberis, Blaymore, Palamedes and Safer were also given lands of their own to rule. A huge coronation party for the new kings Lionel and Bors was planned for the spring. Once this was done, Lancelot and his men prepared themselves for the inevitable attack from Britain. They didn't have to wait long. On the very day that Lionel and Bors were crowned, a messenger brought the news that King Arthur and Sir Gawain were there, on their way, with a huge army. The message was received by Lancelot some five months after he left the shores of Britain. All through the winter, Sir Gawain had been exhorting King Arthur to attack. The king, as we know, was none too keen on carrying on the war, but Gawain was adamant. A few days after Easter, the forces of Britain massed at London. The remaining knights of the round table were there, along with many newly knighted fellows. Sir Mordred stood at his brother's side. Sir Lucan and Sir Bedivere, loyal to the end, were there, ready to serve their master. There was just one thing left to decide. Sir, said Gawain, who are you going to leave in charge of the kingdom while you're gone? Someone must be here to guard the realm and to protect the queen. A knight stepped forward. As he spoke, the very last piece of the inevitable jigsaw of disaster fell into place. After this, all that happened was bound to happen. There was nothing that could have stopped it. My lord, if you like, I will stay to look after her. With me she will be safer than anyone else. After all, I am your nephew. Mordred stopped speaking and looked at his uncle. I'll be pleased for you to take care of her, said King Arthur, if you look after her as well as I would myself. Mordred promised that he would, and King Arthur took his hand. He reached for the hand of his wife and placed her hand in that of his nephew. With that, he handed over the safekeeping of his wife and his kingdom to the Lord of Treachery. The Queen knew it was the wrong thing to do, but she was in no position to speak up, so she kept her mouth shut. The King handed the keys of the treasury to his nephew, so that money could be sent to him in Gorns if it was needed. He then made the lords and the people swear to obey Mordred and do exactly as he commanded. Mordred accepted the duty seriously and with great humility. Inside, his heart danced for joy. At last he had the chance to take what he really wanted. The king and his army made their way to the coast. As they boarded the ship, the queen pleaded with King Arthur. Please return. I fear for you more today than I have ever done before. Deep down, I am sure, whether you return or not, I will not see you alive again. My lady, fear does nobody any good. Do not be afraid for me. The king boarded the ship, and the fleet sailed for Gaul. Within a few hours, they'd landed in Lancelot's realm and set up camp. 
When word reached Lancelot that the king and Sir Gawain were in his territory, he tried one more time to avoid war. Two-faced he may have been, but Lancelot of the Lake genuinely wanted to do anything possible to avoid fighting. He'd served King Arthur and been friends with Sir Gawain for so many years and it pained him beyond measure that they were now his enemies. He sent a messenger to the king's camp to ask him to leave Lancelot's land and there would be peace forever. Sir Lucan met the young woman and heard the message. He replied sadly there would be no turning back. The king and his nephew were determined to attack. He led her to the king's tent anyway. The message was given. Everyone urged Arthur to agree and to leave Gaul. There was nothing to be gained from war with Lancelot and his family. Everyone, that is, except Sir Gawain. He taunted the king, telling him the whole world would speak of the villainy and dishonour of King Arthur if he failed to attack Lancelot now. King Arthur spoke wearily. I will do as you advise me, Sir Gawain. The offer was a good one, but I will send this maiden away with the answer that it is refused. Gawain sneered at the young messenger. You can say to Lancelot he's wasting his time to ask my uncle for peace. I, Sir Gawain, promise him by the faith I owe to God and the honour of my knighthood that I will never stop this war until I have killed him or he has killed me. When Lancelot heard the answer, he wept. Then he brushed himself down and prepared for battle. King Arthur and his army marched deep into Lancelot's territory. Lancelot, Bors, Hector and Lionel made their way to the city of Gorns where they decided they would meet their former lord in battle. Before long, Arthur and his entourage arrived at the city. There they laid siege to the capital of Sir Bors' kingdom. Sir Gawain, driven by the thought of the blood of his brothers, eagerly anticipated the successful end of his vendetta against his former friend. He didn't have to wait long. The very next day, Lancelot, Bors, Hector and Lionel rode out of Gorns with 30,000 men. King Arthur and Sir Gawain faced them with 40,000. Gawain seemed to have a death wish. There was only one thing on his mind, revenge against Lancelot. All of his former friendships went out of the window as he faced first Bors and then Lionel. Sir Bors was smashed from his horse and withdrew from the battle. Sir Lionel came next and Gawain struck him from his mount too. Lionel remained on the ground, sorely wounded. He had to be rescued and dragged back to Gorns to recover. For the next two months, the battle raged on and on. Sir Gawain of Orkney proved himself to be the bravest and best man in King Arthur's army. Sir Lancelot of the Lake was his usual mighty self. Both killed many hundreds of men in the opposing army, but somehow they never met in battle themselves. Hard though Gawain tried to get at his sworn enemy, he never managed to lay a sword upon him. Lost in the fog of war, King Arthur hardly spared a thought for what was going on back in Britain. He had left his trusted nephew in charge and it never occurred to him that there would be any trouble. Mordred, though, had not wasted any time. Almost as soon as Arthur's fleet had disappeared from view, he had begun his scheming. He summoned the lords and barons from England to Camelot and showered them with gifts, paid for by Arthur's treasure. He held great courts and hosted many feasts and banquets. He oozed charm from every pore. Before long, he had won the hearts and minds of every nobleman in the country. They'd never had it so good, and he had them in the palm of his hand. When he knew they'd believe his every word, he struck. The treacherous knight produced a letter carrying the forged seal of King Arthur. It was given anonymously to a bishop, who digested it, and horrified at the content, took it to the queen. There it was read to her. This is what it said. 
I, King Arthur, have been mortally wounded by Sir Lancelot of the Lake. All of our men have been slaughtered. Sir Gawain is dead and I will not survive much longer. I ask you, my loyal barons, to appoint Sir Mordred, King of Britain. He must marry the Queen, otherwise Lancelot will arrive here and take her and the kingdom for himself. It was a pack of lies, of course, but it convinced everyone. Guinevere was heartbroken and not at all keen on marrying Mordred. She tried to buy some time, asking that she be allowed to grieve for a while before making up her mind. Mordred, his plans close to fruition, told her she had fifteen days. He travelled to Canterbury, where he was crowned King of Britain. Fifteen days of feasting later, the treacherous usurper arrived back in Camelot, where he demanded that Guinevere marry him immediately. But his demands fell on deaf ears. The Queen had used her time wisely and well. She was long gone. Mordred almost exploded with rage when he learned she had barricaded herself in the Tower of London, defended by an army of loyal knights. He gathered up a large company of men and marched quickly to the Tower. Mordred tried every trick in the book to get Guinevere to leave the tower. He tried charm, threats, gifts, everything. Nothing worked. He turned to his lords, barons and knights. I want every one of you to bow down before me and swear on the saints you are loyal to me and only me. I am the king of this land and you must promise to serve me faithfully and without question. Mordred had done his work well. The lords and barons had an easy time of it under him much easier than they had had it under King Arthur. Where there had been tournaments and faithful service, now there were parties and riches. Every single one of them bowed down to him and swore undying allegiance. Mordred, secure in his rule, laid siege to the tower. There were a few minor skirmishes, but the false king was happy to play the waiting game. There was no way Guinevere and her men could hold out forever. So, while King Arthur and Sir Gawain besieged the city of Gorns, Mordred and his barons besieged the Tower of London. Inside the tower, Guinevere played the only card she had. She sent a messenger to Gaul. She was not convinced that Arthur was really dead. She was well aware that Mordred was perfectly capable of inventing the whole thing. The messenger was told to seek out King Arthur, or if the king was really dead, Sir Lancelot. One of them would come to her rescue. King Arthur was very far from dead. He fought valiantly and well killing and injuring many of Lancelot's troops. Much as he had wished to avoid the battle, he threw himself into it. After two months, though, he'd had enough of the carnage. Gawain, he said, you have made me fight this war against my will, for the love of you and your brothers. But Gawain, we are losing more than we gain here. Thousands of our men are dead, and we are no closer to defeating the enemy. Soon we will have lost everything. It's time for you to decide now how to end this conflict. Gawain managed to conquer his bloodlust for a moment. Suddenly he realised that King Arthur was right. He sent for a messenger. Go to the castle of Gorns and tell Sir Lancelot of the Lake that Sir Gawain of Orkney accuses him of treacherously killing Sir Gareth and Sir Gaheris. I am ready to conquer him and prove his guilt on the battlefield. Tell him we will meet in single combat. If I kill him, then the war will end and the two kings, Bors and Lionel, can rule here in peace. If he kills me, then Arthur will return to Britain and never again wage war on him and his kin. Either way, the fighting will be at an end. When Lancelot received the message, he was both angry and sad. Never had he envisaged the day that he would have to fight against the man he had always considered to be his greatest friend. He wasn't going to put up with being accused of treason, though. 
He had killed Gawain's brothers, but he had done it accidentally. He sent the messenger back to King Arthur's camp, agreeing to the combat. When the boy had gone, Lancelot sat down morosely with Bors and Lionel, lamenting that it had come to this. Lionel spoke to him softly. Gawain is grieving, my lord. He's not thinking straight. He doesn't care whether he lives or dies. Lancelot nodded. I don't know what the outcome will be, but I know one thing. I will not kill him, even once he's beaten. He is the man, out of all those who live in this world, who has meant most to me, and I've loved him more than any other. He will never be able to hate me so much that I stop loving him. So Lancelot went to his rooms to prepare for battle. Meanwhile, Sir Gawain went to see his uncle. He knelt down before the king. Lord, I ask you to grant me a gift. King Arthur nodded, tears in his eyes. He knew only too well what his beloved nephew wanted. Sire, I ask that you pledge to Lancelot that if he can conquer me on the battlefield, then you will abandon the siege and live in peace with him. Arthur granted his nephew's wish, and Gawain prepared for battle. Very soon he would get what he wanted. He would take on his best friend in mortal combat. Next time, the inevitable battle will take place, and we'll find out who comes out on top. If you're enjoying the tales of the legends of King Arthur and his knights, then pop on over to www.thetableround.com, where you'll hear a quite excellent audio drama about the Arthurian legends. Audio drama in the age of Arthur. For word had gone through all the land that he who drew the blade should fill the sovereign's empty throne, the rightful king be made. You witnessed as I pulled this sword from the stone, and you will either submit to it or die by it. The Lord of Legions, the light in the darkness, east rides Arthur. The Table Round dot com. Do have a listen. It really is very good. So, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you next time.